the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's Friday. Not only is it Friday, but I was just reminded this is the last program of November. The older I get, the faster my life just kind of fades in front of me. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. Um, We are a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Whatever is on your heart or mind, we will do the best that we can to answer your questions. All you have to do is call us, area code 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call toll-free if you're outside the local area by dialing 877-630-KSLR at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And if you're driving in your car on the busy streets today, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just push the call now button and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, three four. 9585. Could I ask you all for a prayer request? Um, it was oh, a little over a year ago. I had Pastor Samuel Vargas, um, a man from our church. He got saved here and has been with us for quite a time. Uh, we sent him to Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, to plant a church. Well, today they had uh, a, an earthquake in excess of 7.0 and uh, lots and lots of damage uh we got a text from samuel he's doing okay um they're they're safe uh the tsunami warming is warning has been called off but i would just ask you all to pray for um pastor samuel his wife megan his miracle baby ej uh and uh, keep them in your prayers and we'll keep you posted as of now they're doing well we saw we've seen pictures of the damage and it is considerable it's just a crazy crazy thing not only is it freezing cold but now they have to deal with all of the damage from the earthquake Keep them in your prayers. I would appreciate it. Also, because it's Friday, tonight is our uh, midweek, or not midweek, but end of the week New Testament Bible study. Uh, we are going to finish the book of Acts today. Um, we've been in it for about 15 months, I think, and today we're finally going to finish the book of Acts. Uh, we've really had a great time going through the book of Acts, but tonight will be our final study. A week from tonight, we're going to be having an afterglow, and I'll talk more about that next week and kind of invite you if you'd like to see what it's like when the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are being utilized in the body. So that's next week. Uh, on Sunday, it is Communion Sunday here at Calvary Chapel. We're going to be uh, teaching on Legion in Luke chapter 8. Okay, having said all that, let me get right to some questions. We love your phone calls, so we'd love to have them. Here's our first question. It comes from our email inbox from Glenn. He says, would you please explain 2 Peter 2.8? Actually, he means 1 Peter 2.8. 
Uh, the tense of the word disobey denotes a present action, and the tense in the word were denotes a preconceived decision, which seems to indicate the idea of predestination. And then he says, I'm reading out of the 1984 NIV, they stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. Glenn, you're right. It is in the present active, uh, the word disobey. It describes an ongoing um, disobedience. Uh, and um, the, the verse explains that's the reason that they are stumbling, uh, simply because of disobedience. I'll go on to the rest of it in a moment. But, but disobedience is the reason most of us stumble. Disobedience is the reason that uh, our fellowship with the Lord is cut off. And, of course, there's no power of the Holy Spirit when we disobey. So uh, that's the case. So it's a present active. It describes the current state of the people to whom Peter is writing. Now, the uh, word were, the, the, uh, it's, it's not a causative action. It's not, well... They're going to disobey, so they've always been predestined to fail. No Christian is predestined to fail. We fail, and of course God knows we're going to fail. But that's all that's being spoken of here, Glenn. The, the, um, the tense of the word is, is just, it's, it's something God always knew. He didn't cause it, but it's something that God always knew. So he didn't cause it. We need to remember that always because I think sometimes we mess the idea of predestination up like, well, you know, that's just what God planned for them. God plans for all of us to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. He plans for all of us to be able to walk in the middle of his perfect will. When we don't, it doesn't shock him. It doesn't surprise him. It just means that he is there presently, and we can simply repent of our sins and be purified from all unrighteousness and get right back in the middle of his perfect will. So when Peter is writing to those uh, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 8, he's simply saying this is the consequences. And the consequences of disobedience are always predetermined. It's always going to be... Um, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is what they were destined for. So, Glenn, I hope that answers your question. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here is our next question, and it comes from Carlos. Uh, hi, Pastor Ron. This is Carlos from the Northeast Side again with another Bible question. I notice when I read a chapter in the Bible, or when I read a chapter in the Bible, I try to understand every verse, but sometimes I don't understand the meaning behind it. Should I continue to the next verse, even though I do not understand the prior verse? Thank you for always responding. God bless. Um, Carlos, that's exactly what you do. You know, um, when you're looking at every single verse, and you take them out of the context of the verses before them and the verses coming after them, sometimes they're only intended to be understood as a whole. So if there's something in a verse that you don't understand, read the verses around it prayerfully. Um, Cross-reference with other things in the Bible that you know are true. Uh, and, and let God begin to give you some light. But the one thing that I try to encourage people to do all the time, Carlos, is not to stumble over something just because they don't understand it, not to get frustrated. Uh, simply make a note of it. Uh, you can make a mental note or you can write it down, which is what I've always done. And then I can go dig it out later. But I don't want that to interfere with my Bible reading or the Bible study, depending on what type of study that I'm doing. So um, go to the next verse, but, but don't separate verses. Now, one of the reasons, and I think I've said this on this program before, but one of the reasons that I started many, many, many years ago in the 1984 version of the NIV is uh, because they write it in paragraph form, manuscript form, the way we would read a letter. You know, if somebody writes you a letter, Carlos, you don't read one line, try to figure it out, and then read the next line. You read it together to get the sense of what the author is trying to communicate. And when you're studying the Bible, Rather than specifically understanding each verse, every word, read it 
get a sense and read the verses around it, read, get a sense of what the author is trying to communicate. It doesn't matter what you think it says or what I think it says. The only thing that really matters is what the author intended it to say. And as Bible students, Carlos, it's our job to dig out what the author's intention was. And the author's intention will then give us the understanding of the verse. So that's the way I do it. I've done it that way for all of these years I've been studying the Bible. Um, God will always sort of fill in the gaps after the fact. Thank you, Carlos. It's good to hear from you again. It's been a while, and you are missed. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Rita. Rita says, I'm not getting answers to my prayers. What am I doing wrong? Um, Rita, I, I've, I don't know, but let me give you some suggestions, some things that you can check your own heart about. First, um, is your heart right with God? And by that I mean, are you walking in obedience? Is there something in your life that God doesn't want there? Something you're sort of withholding from the Lord, you've been convicted of it in the past? but you keep holding on to it. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you have a problem with anger. Maybe it's something that's easier to identify, some um, recurring sin in your life. Um, Rita, unless you do th something with those issues, uh, you won't get answers because your fellowship with God is broken off. Perhaps you're not getting answers to your prayers because God has already spoken to your heart about something and you haven't responded affirmatively to that. That's another reason for not getting answers to your prayers. But sometimes, and I, I'm going to try to make you understand this as best I can, Rita, sometimes God is just quiet. And even when He's quiet, our prayers are always getting answers. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no. Between those two answers, Rita, is not yet. And so if those things are important to you, continue to pray for them. Jesus says, never grow tired of praying. Knock, seek, and ask. And the fact that you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean you're not getting an answer. What it means is that it's just not time for the answer to that prayer. The other thing I would ask you, Rita, is, is are you honestly able to say to the Lord when you make these prayers, Nevertheless, thy will, not my will, be done. In other words, are you going to be content if, in fact, God doesn't choose to answer that prayer the way you wanted it answered? I ask that because some of the greatest answers to prayer, now it takes time and perspective to, to, to understand this, but some of the greatest answers to prayers over my years walking with Jesus have been when he didn't answer at all or when I didn't think he did or even read it in those times when he said no. There are times when he says no and it upsets me at the moment. But with a little bit of time and a little more perspective I'm able to look back and think, oh Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer. If you answered it then this is what would have happened or I would have missed out on this. So what we need to do is be sure. We have to be sure that the answer we want is the answer He wants for us rather than holding on to the answer that we want. I'll make one other suggestion, Rita. A lot of times the answers to our prayers are hard to discern. And that means you need to be a student of the Bible. And there are times, I can't tell you how many times over the years, but so many, when as I was in my normal course of reading or studying, or, or even now, having Paul read to me, that's basically what happens now, um, the Lord will answer a prayer that's a month old, or a prayer that's uh, a week old. I'll get clarity on His will in a particular situation. So sometimes we just have to be patient, we have to wait. Now Rita, if you've been listening to the program for any length of time, you know Paula prayed for me to get saved for 13 years. 
13 years. To all the world, it looked like she was praying in vain. To her, it looked like she was praying foolishly. But the right result is, at just the right time, I was on my face on a public street in Upland, California, receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, keep praying, keep learning more about Jesus, and as you do that, I promise you, you're going to get prayers answered. And when you don't hear the answer you want, then by faith you got to thank God because getting that prayer answered the way you wanted wouldn't have been the best thing for you at that particular time. So with no more information than you gave me, Rita, that's the best I can do. Here is a question we've got. Oh, Tanya from San Leandro, California. I've been missing you. Where you been? I've been listening. I've been here and there volunteering, so sometimes I miss the show. But I'll be home soon for the holidays, so we'll make our we'll make our way there to see you guys. And um, I miss y'all certainly. Uh, but I'm excited the, to see you the again. Work, the work is very is, is very plentiful here, so so we've got a lot <laughs> a lot going on. But um, Pastor, I need to ask your opinion on on something, and even. You know, I've been I've been trying to figure out if, if I'm just being very sensitive about this. But one of the things at the church that I attend is I love to ask people for prayer requests. You know, if, if there's any way we, I can pray for them. And many times people will send me messages or emails saying, can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? And so we have two different prayer lists at our church, which is one is just for the pastors and the pastors only. So that's really kind of high level type of things personal things. Um, and then the other prayer request is for the general congregation. And some of the prayer requests that I have submitted, um, I've been I've been contacted about those by some of the people in the prayer group. And it makes me feel like I can't really, it, it's, I don't want to say it's a, a gossip type of thing, but the church is giving my personal email out and, and I don't really know how to, so I just, it's no big deal, let it go. But I feel like these types of things lead to like gossip or, and, and that's never been the, my intention to, to share someone's information, which I had their permission to pray, right? I don't ever put last names if it's very sensitive. But I was just curious what the real protocol is when it comes to really submitting prayer requests or what it should be where it doesn't seem like it's gossip because I, I would need <laughs> for somebody to come I mean, Like I said, I got an email last night from somebody, you know, they gave her my email address, which I thought was kind of odd. And she's asking, she had a best of intentions. She didn't mean anything by it. But this is a, this is, this has happened before. And it was out in public. Somebody said, Oh, I saw you're praying for so-and-so. And I thought, well, that's really not wise because the person may know somebody close by, but seem like so. What's the best way to address this with the <laughs> pastors, or should I just stop being so sensitive? I, I don't. I just. I just don't want to misrepresent Jesus in any way, shape, or form. And so that's why I thought I'd give you a holler. I know you've got some great advice, so <laughs> I'll take your answer off the air. Thank you, Tanya. Give my love to your family, yep. please. I will. We love uh, you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, these are hard ones, you know. Um, uh, we, we understand, as Tanya communicated, that um, most people mean well. But it is also true, and, and this is a terrible, terrible thing to, to say about the church. It's also true that people use prayer uh, in order to gossip. It is, Tanya, the reason I so hate social media. I, I, I beg my people to stay off Facebook. Well, but, but you can ask people to pray. You know what? I am, I am absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced that if I feel compelled to pray, that I can pray just me and Jesus just as effectively as if I blurt it out and there's 10,000 people praying. I'm also convinced that the Holy Spirit is much better at making sure that I'm covered in prayer than social media can. So I, I'm not communicating here that I don't believe in the power of prayer letting people know, but there are times when the prayer is confidential. 
And Tanya, I think it's important. I don't think you're being sensitive at all. I think it's important to go to your pastors and tell them, or whoever's in charge of this prayer list or prayer blog, I think it's important that you go to them and say, you know, I've got people that my email address is being given out to. And they're, they're, they're communicating to me that they know about this prayer request that I made in confidentiality. And I want to be sure, and this is the approach to the pastor, I want to be sure that you know that there are people who are, I think, not using this prayer blog correctly. Now, if their idea is, well, you know, we're just throwing general prayers out there, and uh, we want people to communicate them, then what we need to do next would be to say, okay, then we're not going to put anything that's really private or anything really sensitive that I don't want to know. But you have the right. If I were to give uh, my private email address out, uh, I would have more emails than I could possibly imagine. I don't want that to happen. I want the people that need to be to communicate with me know how to communicate with me. Um, and I need everybody, at, and I'm just going to use our church as an example, Tanya. I need everybody at Calvary Chapel in San Antonio to know that when they come to me with prayer request, that prayer request will not be shared with anyone, not even Paula, unless they ask me to or give me permission to. And there are many times when I'll say, uh, can, can I ask Paula to pray about this too, or can we pray about it together? Oh yeah, I just assume you shared everything with Paula. We don't. We really, really value the idea of confidentiality. and. Uh, it, it's it's important that people know that. So you're not being sensitive at all. Please don't think that. Just let people know that what I'm asking you to pray for, the church body or pastors, there's two groups. There's one general prayer, I don't care. But, but when the prayer is confidential, I don't want people calling me and saying, oh, so how are you doing with that problem? Because that then becomes uh, uh, an open door for gossip. So Tanya, I hope that that makes sense to you. It's not. Uh, it's just not something the church should understand. You know what? Uh, since I'm on this tangent, let me finish this. I've asked our people here not to write anything on Facebook, even in the form of prayer, that is unflattering that might cause somebody pain or embarrassment, and never to use a name or even to respond in anger to somebody on Facebook who's maybe taking shots at you. Remember that the Holy Spirit is with you, that Jesus is looking at your screen as you type on your keyboard. And we'd save a lot of pain. There simply is nothing good, nothing godly that comes from Facebook. Nothing. And you know, my biggest issue here is nobody believes me. Oh, no, I don't mean it that way. Boy, I've seen so much pain, so much damage caused by irresponsible, quote-unquote, praying on social media. Tanya, thanks a lot. We love you. Can't wait to see you over the Christmas season. 340-9585. Here is a question from Jason. Pastor Ron, how can I know which Old Testament promises are for me or the church or for Israel? Jason, what a great question because that's something that people so badly misunderstand you know we'll read uh, I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper you plans not to harm you we know those things and so we, we, we take all those prayers now there are principles that still work but in context we understand that that prayer or, or that promise is given to a disobedient Israel who's being judged for their disobedience it's a long-term promise. Look, it may look bad now, 
But I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And things are going to work out. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Those are not, uh, that's not a promise that, that we can communicate or, or take for ourselves. If my people who are called by my name, that's the prayer every single national day of prayer. That's not a prayer for us. The United States is not called by God's name. Now, principally, it's a question or a promise that we can take to heart as believers if our heart is right with God. But we've got to understand. So the way to do this, Jason, is to see to whom the promise is written. By the way, this is a hermeneutic that will help you in so many other ways. You'll look at the law. Uh, who did God give the law to? It is to Israel. To Israel, he said. If we understand that, then we know that it's not for us. And by the way, there's so many wonderful promises in our New Testament. Why would we have to look for promises in the Old Testament? So... Be very careful. Be a good student. Thank you, Jason. We've got 30 minutes left in the week. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. You're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program we are closing out a week i was just listening as all of you were to the promotion uh, barry bess who is a wonderful wonderful guy a man of god and a great great friend but he was talking about the morning ministries and I got to talk to Barry because we have a morning show. Now, they start at 6 o'clock detailing what the morning ministries are. But our program, the word to stand on, that's our teaching program, is on this station, AM 630, the word, at 5 o'clock in the morning. So if you get up just a little bit earlier and listen to our program as you get ready for work, the Lord will bless you with the teaching of his word. So, Barry, if you're listening... We're a morning ministry, too. Let's go. We've got a couple phone calls. Let's go first to Mario in San Antonio on line one. Mario, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Ron, uh, God bless you, but I want to call you this in a very nice and respectful way. You okay. are the boogeyman. You scared the living darkness out of me. I have listened to Kate all the top ministers that are on there that I consider credible, Charles Stanley, so forth and so on. And my God, you have this, you're, you, I mean, you're gentle, but to the point. I mean, you scared the eebie-jeebies out of me or the darkness. I mean, all of my egos are running away. What are you saying? And, you know, I, you have a gift, and, you know, you don't have to have that, that, that brimstone and, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, they call that kind of old preaching. But you're deadly. You're deadly to all the ugliness. You're deadly to all the sin. Because I remember one time, I think you said, if you're not careful with your sin, your sin will take you to places that you have never been. Yeah. And that hit me. Oh, my God, you scare the hell out of me because it's true. <laughs> but, again, you, again, you are a beautiful boogeyman. And may God bless you with the word you are gifted. And I hope that all of those sinners that are out there are listening to you because you are you have awakened people. Thank you. And Thank God you. bless you. Thank you, Mario. God bless you. You know, I, uh, I can honestly say in 24 years or nearly 24 years of, of, of preaching and teaching, I've never raised my voice. Uh, part of it is because I can't. If I yell, I can't be heard. I just, I've got that Winnie the Pooh voice. 
Um, but but it's true, Mara. I've always been really, really direct, and I think the Lord appreciates it, and I appreciate. I think He blesses it. And if if the fruit coming from your life is a is part of that, then I am blessed beyond measure. Thank you very, very much. My producer just gave me a, a note that said, "So in Jesus' name, boo." Uh, we want to scare darkness away, uh, we, but, but we do it nicely. Thank you, Mario. God bless you. Let's now go to Bolverde, Texas, and talk with Casey on line two. Casey, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I, uh, I suffer from anxiety and depression so much so that I have to take medication. It started in my early 30s, and I'm almost 50. Um, I do believe in Jesus. I do try to walk. Um, in the light every day, and I pray that he rids me of this anxiety and that I do not have to take medication, and it's been, you know, it's been almost 20 years, and mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't have feelings of hurting myself or hurting other people. It's just generalized anxiety, and mm-hmm. it just will not go away, and I pray every single day but I do not worry that I do not suffer from anxiety I know that worrying and you know anxiety can be a sin and or is a sin and I put my trust in Jesus yet I still find myself you know panic attacks and and everything that goes along with the with this problem and I, I just I just don't know what to do about it I don't know if you have any advice or uh, maybe some scripture I can read, and uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Casey, and I will be praying for you. Um, Thank you for being so vulnerable on the air. Uh, I appreciate these kind of calls so much because uh, when I say I will pray for you, I truly will be praying for you. It's not just pastor talk, you know. Um, Casey, a couple of things. Um, You said anxiety uh, is sin. It's not. You know, Jesus said, do not worry, uh, be anxious for nothing, depending on your translations, over and over and over. But the truth is, that's part of our human character. So what we need to do is control the anxiety. We have to combat the worry, combat the fear, combat the anxiety with faith. And the time to do this when is, is when the anxiety is beginning. Now, I also want you to understand there is nothing sinful about taking medication. It's not a, 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 a statement um, of your faith, whether it's strong or weak. Uh, there are, sadly, some pastors and teachers that, that will, will, will say glib things like if you just have enough faith and you couldn't be depressed, you couldn't have anxiety. Um, none of that's true. Because we worry, because we're anxious, that's why we need faith. I tell our church here all the time, Casey, that faith is the antidote to fear or to worry, or in your case, anxiety. And panic attacks are real. The first thing you need to remind yourself when a panic attack starts to come is that it's not going to kill you. It feels like it is, but you're going to be okay. The second thing you need to do is understand that when these attacks come, you're in a fight for your life. An enemy with no mercy is going to try to use every opportunity he can to destroy you. So when the panic begins to come or when you become fearful or, or anxious about something, that's the moment you've got to sit down, just you and Jesus. It's, it's the last thing you're going to feel like doing. But it's what you've got to do first and foremost, remembering that you're in a fight for your life and only Jesus can win that fight. And it's not naming it and claiming it. It's just saying, Jesus, you promised in your word that I can have a peace that passes understanding. So I'm not going to try to understand it, but I'm asking you, Lord, to let that supernatural peace that comes from heaven rest upon me right now. You could be like Peter when he began to sink in the water after walking on it for a few steps. At that moment, he just cried out, Help, Lord! Or another translation says, Save me, Lord! And, and Casey, you can do exactly the same thing. But two things. One, because it's become a pattern in your life for these 20 years. The enemy's not going to let go easily. He's not going to go down without a big fight. So you've got to prepare yourself for the fight. 
And you've got to be willing to fight that fight every day. Now, you mentioned depression only in passing. But, but depression is, in my view, depression is the enemy's biggest club. And if he can get us to where we're depressed, where we're not wanting to do anything, not feeling worthy of doing anything, if he can get us to sit still or to lay down in our bed and not want to come out, well, that's when he's going to do the most damage. So those are the times when you've got to resist. So when you feel depression beginning to weigh in on you, that's when you've got to get up. I've shared this before, but Paula, when she's dealing with women, She'll all the time, when dealing with depression, she'll say, look, I want you to get up out of bed. I want you to go take a shower, put some clothes on, and call me right back. And the reason she says that is because she wants to get this person moving. In your case, Casey, because you've been dealing with it, and your heart is so faithfully committed to the Lord, run to your Bible. Run to your Bible. I'm going to give you two Bible studies that I want you to listen to um, that, that uh, I've done. It was last Sunday's Bible study uh, in uh, Luke chapter 8. Uh, and then listen to the one I'm going to do this Sunday, Casey. It'll be on uh, our website live stream by 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. Um, but, but it deals with legion. And it'll help you understand some of the spiritual components, the spiritual warfare components of your struggle. So listen to last Sunday, and then listen to this Sunday. Um, I think they're 42 minutes, 43 minutes long. And uh, I, I really believe the Lord is saying to you that he'll, he'll speak to your heart and give you some, some understanding. The last thing I want to say to you, Casey, is really important. If you need meds, don't be ashamed. I mean, the devil will even take that. Oh, you shouldn't need meds if you just had enough faith. If you need them, take them. Now, having said that, the most hopeful thing that I heard you say, at least from my perspective, is you keep praying that you wouldn't have to take meds. With all my heart, I believe that's a desire that God has put in your heart. So walk with Him. Don't do anything rash. Whatever meds you've been on, be in consultation with your doctor. But get to that place, say, Jesus, I want to wean myself off these meds. I want to really understand that I can walk in the joy of the Lord, even through anxiety and even through fear. And I want to repeat this, there's no sin to be anxious or to worry or to be afraid. The sin occurs when we give in to anxiety or worry or fear. So Casey, you're fighting a good fight, you keep fighting it. And whatever else you do, remember that in His presence, Jesus' presence is the fullness of joy. And so when that joy is gone, when that joy is being swallowed by anxiety, all you have to do is run to Jesus. I mean literally, talk to Him. He knows everything, share your heart with Him. Be aware, just as though He were with you in the physical sense, that He's right there with you, and that if He's right there with you, you're going to be okay. I think that's why last Sunday's Bible study will help you. And I'll be praying for you. Casey, a couple of things. I know you've called before, but it's been a while. I'd love for you to keep me apprised. You can write to questions at calvaryessay.com, and they will make sure that email gets to me. Uh, I, I'd just love to know that you're doing okay, and I'd love to be kept uh, posted on, on your progress. And I promise I will be praying for you. Thank you, Casey. God bless you. And for being so honest, you're exactly the heart that God can really, really deal with. Let's go to San Antonio and talk with Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Oh, hi. Um, well, I do worry, too, sometimes. But I don't worry, like, like a lot. Like, uh, I worry about if I die, my family's going to have enough money to survive. That's what I worry about. I don't have enough, Jimmy, I don't, I don't have enough life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, we, we, we all worry. 
That's the thing yeah. you got to understand. You know, I did a message. I don't know whether it's a message or I talked about it on the radio program. But um, I did a message recently where I, I, I told uh, the church that, 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 you know, everybody thinks fear is such as, uh, an overwhelming opponent. Uh, and if you have just enough faith, you won't be afraid. I'm afraid every day. I'm afraid every single day, and I, I got a we got a, a, a gift in the mail, a check, a small check, and in the memo section of that check it said, "Don't be afraid, Pastor Ron." The idea is we all worry, and um, we understand. That came from me. Oh, that came from you. Yes. Okay. Well, bless your heart. Thank you. Yes, I pray not to be afraid anymore. Well, I'm going to be afraid. It's okay. But you know what? When I'm afraid, I just get closer to Jesus. So what the devil intended for harm, God does for evil. Well, you Thank you, Jimmy. When you, said, when you touched my heart when you said, I'm afraid, and I don't want you to be afraid anymore. Well. So I, pray for, I, I pray for you not to be afraid. And, and I know... <laughs> And I know, I know what you're going to preach about this weekend. It's about legion, about the demons, legions. Yeah, our name is legions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Jimmy. You're welcome. Bye-bye. God, God bless, man. <laughs> now, see, I didn't know that was from Jimmy. But, but see, here's the thing, and, and everybody in this audience needs to understand, it's not a reasonable thing to expect or even to want to not be afraid. Why are we so afraid of being afraid? The idea is that we can cast our worries, we can cast our cares and our fears on Jesus. He can carry them for us. But when we pretend that we're not afraid or, or we act like fear is a bad thing, my fear for the 23 and a half years I've been the pastor at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, my fear has kept me so close to my Jesus that fear has turned out to be a valuable weapon in my walk with Jesus. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Let me see what question I got coming next. Uh, Richard says, does Matthew 24 refer to the rapture? Richard, it does not. I think we had this question last week. And excuse me, sneeze break. Uh, I think we had the question asked last week. Maybe you didn't hear that I answered it. Uh, but it does not. Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse. And it refers only to Jews. It is uh, the time during the Great Tribulation. It's a reference to that, that terrible last seven-year period of history. And while it might sound like it, one is taken and one is left, uh, it has nothing whatsoever to do with the rapture. The rapture is something that Jesus only hinted about, never taught about. Uh, the rapture was a mystery that was revealed to us by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 51. Uh, so the Olivet Discourse, which is Matthew 24, Mark 13, Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13 and Luke 21 deals only and specifically with God's plan for Israel after the rapture of the church. So Richard, Matthew 24 has nothing whatsoever to do with the rapture as we understand it. I was telling Paula uh, just this week, you know, our world, it's, it gets hard. I was in my house today and I, I said, Paula, I smell marijuana. And, and it wasn't, it, 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 obviously I didn't think she was smoking marijuana in another part of the house or something, but, but I could just smell it. And as she was reading to me, I said to her, I said, you know, I hate that we live in a world where marijuana is okay. The closer we come to Jesus' return, the more I want to see him. The more pain I see in this world, the more openness and eagerness to sin I see, the more I want him to return. I pray we never have to go through another election cycle. I want Jesus to come back. I was listening to a radio program today. And I'll break this dialogue if anybody wants to call, but I was listening to a radio program today. People were responding to our city manager's resignation or retirement. 
uh, yesterday, and the question is, are you glad she's gone, or are you sad she's gone? And the comments were unbelievably harsh. I mean, she's done a really good job. I've met her. She has paid a lot of money, and people are so resentful. Why is it that we live in a world where people resent success? All of that to say, this is not a commentary on the city manager. But this is a commentary on our lack of ability to love. Jesus said, through Paul to Timothy, Mark this, in the last days there will be terrible times, perilous, another translation says. The love of many will wax cold. We'd be brutal to one another, harsh and unkind, lacking even natural or instinctive affection. And that word describes the love a mother naturally, instinctively has for, a, for her child. He said, all of that would be gone. And we live in that brutal, harsh, without natural affection world now. And I don't like it now. I love the fact that I've got a mission in this world. And this isn't me being melancholy, wanting a way out. But I'm ready for the promises of God, the fulfillment of the ages to occur. And for all of us in the audience, if it's Casey who's suffering with anxiety and worry and sometimes depression, we can turn all of that into this intense longing to see Jesus, to be with him. Tomorrow here at Calvary Chapel, I'm doing a funeral for a wonderful lady. She was 81, loved Jesus. She was just so kind. Her son is one of my elders. In fact, my very first elder who's been elding here for more than 20 years. And I see the sadness and the pain. And I want Jesus to come back and fix it. I want him to come back. I want to see him. I want to look into those eyes. I want to look into that face shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. I want to hear him call me by a new name with his voice. Mario talked about my voice. His voice sounds like the voice of many rushing waters. And that desire to see him the knowledge, even the expectation that he could come at any moment really fuels our ministries. And it's true, at least it ought to be true of all of us as believers. This is not our home. We're never going to find heaven on earth. What we got to do is look for the return of our Lord every day. End of diatribe. Let's go to Patrice's question. She says, how can I respond to someone who says she doesn't need God as in, and is content without him? You know, Patrice, I just taught two weeks ago on the parable of the sower. And what you're describing is a person who, as you scatter the seed, the, the seed representing the word of God, uh, it falls on, on the path, uh, the hard ground. And there's no soil it just sits on the ground in the birds of the air. The birds, being evil, come and eat it up and take it away. And the person is sort of nonplussed by the gospel. When you're talking to a friend who is fooling herself, she's trying to fool the people around her, around her because we're not content. We have to believe Patrice that every one of us has a hole in our hearts, in our minds, that can only be filled by God. And no matter how hard we try, 
And no matter how good an actor or actress we might be, we who know the truth about Jesus Christ, we need to understand that everybody secretly, and some are really good at covering it up, but everybody secretly is miserable apart from Christ because that's the way we've been created. If the purpose of our life is to worship God, if the purpose of our life is to make sure that our lives are lived for Him, literally toward Him, Revelation 4.11 says, well then anybody and everybody who's not doing that is miserable. Now their hearts grow hard. And they get so used to the lies, the enemy can blind them. Well that's what's happening here. So Patrice, the only thing you can do, you can't fix her or him. Or you said to her, so she doesn't need God. So here's what you do, you pray for her. And you live your life in the light of Christ every time you're around her. Do it always, but, but especially when you're around her so that she can see you've got that thing that she's missing. And Patrice, I'll tell you one other thing. This is the perfect description of my life before Christ. I had more money than I could possibly spend from a world's perspective. Uh, in business, I was hugely successful. I had a bunch of people that depended on me. And because they depended on me, they pretended like they loved me. And I had a family that looked like the picture in a wallet that you buy in a department store. And anybody looking at from me from the outside looking in would have thought, boy, that's a guy that's got it all together. And I was the most miserable human on the face of the earth. So please understand, she's not content, but she needs to see that you are. Let the Lord use you to win her to Christ. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. It's been a great week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, you go to church this weekend, ask God to make some appointments for you. He'll do it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.